welcome to the Compliance Collective Podcast. My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips, and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and welcome to today's episode. We are going to be talking all about certification. Um, and today I have Jeff with me again. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. So this episode really is for anyone who's thinking of certification and or even maybe through um, midway through their process of implementing a management systems and they're starting to think about well, which certification body should we be engaging. Correct. That's um, thought to be a good topic for we get a lot of questions around that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an important question to ask, isn't it? Well, there's uh, lots of choices these days, as I'll explain shortly, but... Um... Uh, when I started, there was only two, two, uh, two certification bodies. Yeah, there was the one that was owned by Standards Australia, mm-hmm. called um, Standards Australia Quality Assurance Services or SACWAS, mm-hmm. and the other one was Lloyd's, oh, and wow. um, you just took what you got. Mm. Very dictatorial process. Very different to now. What there's 131. That's correct. Yeah, so you got choice out there, mm. and the power has shifted from the regulator to the companies implementing. Absolutely, and that's really the way it should be anyway, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, it's quite healthy now. Prices have come down and the surface levels have gone up. Mm. So it's much more robust these days than what it was a few years back. That's good. Well, why don't we start at the very beginning? Why don't we just talk about what certification is? Okay. Well, the definition of the word is that you actually issue a certificate for some achievement, Mm -hmm. hence the term certification. And there's lots of different terms and jargon used globally, but in Australia we tend to use the term certification, and you might hear accreditation, which are um, similar terms, but there is a subtle difference, which I'll I'll talk about. But if um, a company, for whatever reason, elects to or is forced to go down a path of um, getting certified to a particular code of practice, it's usually for regulatory reasons, um, where downstream. Um, suppliers and users are trying to buy from authorized authorized organizations and then companies uh, aspire to comply mm-hmm. they get certified they have a certificate to prove it and that can be a license to be in business in the future for some it's um, mandatory and others it's discretional and um, I'd like to tell you about that certification process today mm. before we go into that though what would be some examples of these code of practices that you're talking about? MDS, NDIS, sorry, comes to mind first for me. What are others out there? Well, you've got uh, food codes, food standards. There's a lot of problems with the food industry or has been in the past. So therefore that needs to be regulated. Um, there's um, safety standards, environmental standards, a range of quality standards depending on the sector. There's standards for registered training organisations. Um, all sorts of codes of practice like that, so that if companies were to get certified, they've got that ring of confidence around them, which makes them more um, desirable in the in the marketplace, and gives them that badge of honour that they can meet those regulatory requirements and um, the their client requirements. Hmm. And so, with certification, we've just touched on these certification bodies. Is anyone else? Will do certification or is it just solely their their job 
Well, when I started, there were reputable organisations issuing certificates and doing certification, but they weren't regulated. Mm -hmm. And um, often the marketplace would say to these companies, it's great that you're certified, but um, who did this certification? And where'd you get that certificate from? So it lacked a bit of credibility. And um, so the governments of Australia and New Zealand got together and formed a regulator to control these new and emerging agencies that would often issue certificates without a lot of control. Some were okay, some were fine, but some not. Mm. But the marketplace couldn't tell the difference. So we're, we've now got a regulator, it's uh, called the Joint Accreditation System of Australia, New Zealand. That's our accreditation agency, if you like. So that's Jazz Ants? That's right. And there's, uh, similar organisations across the globe that they have a memorandum of understanding with. Oh, okay. But that's the one in Australia and currently there's 131 certification bodies that are accredited by Jazz Ants to do what they do hmm. and the market is free to choose. Okay, and so who are these certification bodies? How do, how do they even come about? Uh, well, Jazz Ants is probably the only accreditation agency south of the equator in which uh, we get a lot of uh, uh, Cambodian, Vietnamese, Singaporean uh, certification bodies who like to play in our space. Mm -hmm. And um, if companies were to select their auditors, often they've got to fly in and stay many nights, which adds to the price. So some companies would elect uh, to get those that are domiciled in Australia and others would select certification bodies that are located within Australia and in fact within the state to minimise the costs of travel and accommodation. Mm. So the wonderful thing these days is you've got choice. Mm. Some go for the logo, um, some go for the name, some are looking for all sorts of reasons, some aren't too bothered as long as they they can say they've got a certificate that complies with their designated code of practice. And when you talk about logo, is that because they can use that certification body logo in order to sort of demonstrate that they are accredited to whatever management system it is? Yeah, that's right. It's covered by a trademark licence agreement mm -hmm. when you sign up for certification and it's indicating that the business is certified to the standard, not the products or services. So you're not allowed to display that logo on the product, mm -hmm. but typically it's put on your website, business cards stationary mm. or even a sign out the front. Okay, oh well, that's interesting then. And so um, what are the standards that would regulate the audit process for the certification bodies? Okay, well they didn't exist 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but they do now which are really good mm -hmm. and um, the first one is a Australian standard which is also recognised internationally, ISO 19011 which is the guidelines for how you conduct an audit, whether it be an internal audit, supplier, subcontractor audit, or even a certification audit, provides proper guidelines for the audit process to keep the auditors on the straight and narrow. I will emphasise it is a guideline, it's, there's no shells in there, but uh, if you're going to do auditing, you need to follow the good advice that it contains. The other standard is a little bit different, yeah, it's 17021, which is a mandatory requirement for certification bodies to follow, which embodies 19,011. So 17021 is quite a rigid code of practice for certification bodies. And um, the market should take some comfort 
um, that all your certification bodies you can choose are audited by Jazzance against that code of practice, which has brought a lot of consistency and a lot of professionalism to all these certification bodies. So the choice is less important these days hmm. because there's a lot of consistency between these certification agencies. Mm-hmm. But it's still important though, isn't it? To oh, select the right one for you. I think it's fundamental and um, you can choose any one you like. They, they compete fiercely. Mm. And uh, some organisations like the Weather Bureau we do work for, they've got two certification bodies uh, within the organisation just to provide a little professional competition, if you like which makes the auditors sharpen the pencil, especially when they're putting out a price for the audit. Um, other organisations go because it's a sector. So I know disability um, organisations who go for the disability code, they'll gravitate to those certification bodies that specialise in that area. Mm. There's agencies that are good with food. Um, there's ones that are favoured to heavy engineering and shipping and aviation. They're all got their specialty. Some think they can audit everything and perhaps spread their technology too thin. Others are just going for a niche market and are good at food or are good at disability service providers, for example. Hmm. And um, they all have to follow the same process prescribed by 17021. They all have to go through an audit from Jazzans. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the auditors from Jazzans will go out whilst the certification body auditors are doing their audits and oversee that. And some of our clients, tongue-in-cheek, have said it's good to see our own auditors squirm for a change when that <laughs> happens. So that's a likelihood. Mm. Um, so it's quite a robust mix that we've got out there today. Mm. Oh, it sounds good. And um, so what is the certification process for these businesses starting out? Okay, so number one... There's no way you can get certified unless you've got basic systems in place. So mm. from a company perspective, I suppose the starting point is where are we now? So they might go through a gap analysis process, see how close they are. And most businesses are pleasantly surprised how close they are because the standard is full of, or most of the standards that we deal with are full of common sense. And 80% um, of what the standard requires is currently being conducted. But what you will find is that um, whilst they meet most of the requirements, they may not be doing formal internal audits. They may, may not be having formal management meeting minutes or gatherings. They may not be doing corrective action appropriately. They may not be finding out from their customers about the level of satisfaction, a few things like that. So mm. often the gap analysis will flag up that you're not too far from the mark, you're in the ballpark. and. Mm. You might be able to get certification within three to six months. Hmm. Others, new companies that's starting at ground zero might take 12 months. But there's no point going for certification if you think you're, um, if you don't think you're going to be in the ballpark. So what the certification bodies do is they'll get an application form completed and a deposit paid. And we would suggest that you probably pick two or three at least certification bodies and play them off just like you would any other supplier or subcontractor. Mm -hmm. Get them to come out and um, see if the cultural mix between the certification bodies suits your style of work. And one of the Jazzans requirements is that the auditors that come and audit you must have some vocational skills in the area of being audited. You wouldn't sense. want an architect going out to audit a food company, for example. Yeah. 
because the competencies are just not there. Mm. And um, you can make your choice on your certification body and they will set a date for the audit depending on the maturity of your system. So it's a two-stage two process. Mm -hmm. Stage one is an um, adequacy audit or a desktop audit or a try before you buy. And uh, where the certification bodies nowadays, they'll come out to you, sit with you for half a day and just test how far down the track are you. Have you got basic systems in place? Will you be able to withstand an on-site audit down the track and um, have a cursory look at all the records starting to build up? And if that's all okay, then you would proceed to a stage two on-site audit. If it's not okay, and there's still a lot of work to be done, then the stage two audit is delayed. Mm, pushed out, yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. I imagine that a lot of uh, stage one audits are being conducted virtually at the minute online. Well, some most are, yeah, mm. because there's no choice, especially in urgent cases. Mm. Um, but um, I think it's important to perhaps save those virtual audits to those who are doing stage two audits or where you've been before, just so you've got some knowledge. Mm. Because I don't think every aspect of the standard can be tested mm. uh, in today's time. So there might be a little bit of delay in the stage two audit process. Um, We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that that one. We're in the middle of that one. Mm. But, um, yeah, so some audit bodies will come out and they're pleasantly surprised at the stage one audit. Mm. And they'll say to the client, would you like us to stay for another day or two and continue on and do your stage two there and then? That's handy. Uh, especially if, uh, if it's going to save a bit of time and logistics time, etc. Others, yep, they're a little bit... Um, let's say, um, a bit more enthusiastic or a bit more, um, you know, have a high opinion of themselves and they find out discreetly that they're perhaps nowhere near the mark. So there is a mix of understanding or perception out there by companies when they go through this certification process. And it's a certification body um, rights and duty to work with their clients. So there's a good mix of compliance auditor and compliant companies um, you can search the Jazzans website, which shows all these organisations listed. Mm. It shows their scope of accreditation. I was going to say, I like the search function because you can then particularly look for specific skills or industry, like what you were talking about before. So someone focusing on disability or health and human services or yeah, manufacturing. Mm. You know, like It's good. It's very handy. Well, talking about those in the NDIS sector, the disability service providers, there's a big push for them to be certified at the moment. They've got choices. There's 15 or so certification bodies. that yeah, It's growing every day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I would suggest to the CEOs of those organisations to talk to their other uh, players in their sector, ones that aren't perhaps direct competitors, and ask about who they've used as a certification body and did they get good service Mm. So referrals is a good thing to do mm. as well. And just on that, um, if you are looking at NDIS um, certification or verification, because there's sort of two different streams there, the best to head to the NDIS Commissioner's website because they've got a, the list there. And 
Um, I think going back a few months ago, there was only about six certification bodies, and now at last count, I think there was 14. So okay. it is growing, um, and mm. it's becoming more popular there. But we'll put the um, that website detail in the show notes anyway. But um, look, just going back to this um, certification process, and I'm not sure if you can hear our uh, neighbour's dog is barking quite loudly at the minute, just to keep it real here <laughs> on this podcast. But um, what about ongoing surveillance audits? Uh, well, after the stage two audit, the auditors that have done the on-site audit, they have the power to recommend the, com- the company for certif- certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to be ratified by a committee back at the certification agency. Uh, once that happens, you're, you're over the line and uh, you sign up uh, for a three-year deal and uh, you agree on certain things. And one of the things you agree on is that you uh, have to maintain your systems throughout the three-year certification process and the certification body has the right to negotiate a site visit uh, at a time of their choosing, Mm. which Mm. is typically 12 monthly these days. Mm -hmm. If it's a large company, they might come back every six months, but uh, the general certification for the average company is the site stage two audit, followed by two 12 monthly surveillance audits and after three years, all bets are off and you can continue with the current certification body or you can change to another. It's up to you. And that's interesting because a lot of businesses out there don't realise that they can actually change certification bodies or maybe they do know, but they just think it's too hard. Well, the certification bodies perhaps um, don't make it clear that that's available because they don't want to lose your business. Hmm. So there is a pressure on a certification body to perform and maintain their professional standing but the rules are that um, all these certification bodies that are accredited by JazzEnz, uh, they're part of the, an association of certification bodies. They all agreed and have a memorandum of understanding with each other that clients can change from one certification body to another mm-hmm. and the other, the new certification body has to pick up where the other one left off. So some companies elect to do this on a three-yearly cycle. Others will do it every, you know, certification cycle for five years duration. But um, you know, once the auditors have been there for some time, there is some sort of anecdotal evidence that they do lose a little bit of their subjectivity. Mm. So there's rules about auditors staying on for too long, and I. Jazzans has these rules. Sometimes it's around five years or five visits. So you, you have to change your auditors. So everyone knows that that's, that's the go on the certification body side. Um, yeah, they get too close to the action and maybe fail to see the obvious things. They get on the footy tipping list and Christmas card list. <laughs> I think it's time to change your auditor there. <laughs> oh, very true, very true. No, that's all right. Um, the last thing I wanted to cover off, I think is really important, is just about the audit findings. Um, and if there is an audit finding that company isn't happy with, what the right of reply would be. Yeah, well, when we first started, there was a bit of difference of opinion between auditors and their auditees. And I, I think there's a, a bit of a myth out there or well-worn path about companies having a difference of opinion with their audit body over certain matters, it's usually when perhaps companies are not committed or auditors are a bit too opinionated. But um, at the end of the audit, the findings are collated from the sample they have selected, 
-hmm. and they put across a sampling disclaimer to say that these are the findings derived from our sample size. There may be other non-conformances that do exist that our sample didn't uncover today. And that's a big point for them to do that, to highlight the importance of the sampling process in auditing, which we might cover at another stage. And um, if we find that there's a major breakdown of parts of the standards, which has an effect on the client or regulatory standing, there's a a high risk there. That can be um, denoted as a major finding. They call them major Mm non-conformances for which uh, need to be fixed in a short time frame, typically six weeks. And I'll come back to the certification bodies for an added fee just to close them out or downgrade them down to a minor. Mm. And if ultimately you choose not to address those majors, then certification could be suspended. And it's quite likely, likely as a result of the audit that many, many minor nonconformances are found, which um, have no direct risk on the output of the company or any regulatory regime. And that's what you pay for. You're paying for this health check. So... Um, companies on the receiving end should think that, um, well, that's what I pay for. I want my my test to conclude and I want the answers. And then if they find things that need to be fixed, well, aren't, aren't we lucky we found them? Hmm. The other category they have is um, observations, which are helpful hints or tips which you can take or leave. But it's the major and minor non-conformances that must be corrected. Hmm prior to the next certification order or within a defined time frame, depending on the findings. And if there is any sort of issue there with... Yeah, well, you just don't just take everything that's said. If you believe that the audit body has made an incorrect finding Hmm. or you think they've been overly opinionated or just plain wrong, um, you can initially go back and make a complaint to the certification body and if that doesn't get things cleared up, you can actually go back to Jazzans. They have a formal process where certified businesses can actually um, ask for arbitration on certain points. Yeah, appealing. Hmm. Well, that's really informative. Well, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we'll put some more details in the show notes if you're looking, where we talked about a couple of websites um, and interesting resources for organisations out there that would like some more information around certification. But until then, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe and happy auditing, everyone.